Hey everyone and thank you for coming back to this week's episode of Postgrad Space. I hope you have been enjoying the episodes and really learning from the amazing guests we've had so far. Today is no exception. My guest is one of the best people I have met in my life this year. Rena Hicks is a corporate finance analyst and a director at Faida Investment Bank. She is also a certified professional coach. You know, the kind of people who help us articulate our personal visions and values. She has also written a book called Moneywise, which I think every individual should go and get it because in her book she talks of her mission of helping people understand what it means to invest and to save and to financially plan your lives. Who is Rina? I'm a mother of three. I'm married to a great man called Alan. I I'm I'm a Christian and mm-hmm. my identity comes from Christ. I I'm very passionate about helping people become financially literate and yes. I work uh, at a company called Faida Investment Bank where I help people invest money in different opportunities that may come as well as helping companies raise capital. You know, under 17 I'd say I was shy, reserved, um very quiet okay. sort of a person but in a very loving home i grew up with fantastic parents who are always there for us who mm-hmm. let us be who we were whoever we wanted to be and really supported us through our childhood and okay. and so i can say that my childhood was fun i yeah. i was um yes one of three uh, children and my brother and sister are twins and they're two years younger than me and so I always felt like a fed leg because they always had private jokes. They always had stories that I couldn't contribute into. And maybe that's yeah. what contributed to my shyness. And your campus life, was it interesting? Was it difficult for you? Was it amazing? My campus life out of all my entire education was the most fun, most okay. memorable. I think I came out of my shell. I was excited. It was an exciting time of discovery. I, I went to university in Australia and okay. I think for the first time I had to take responsibility for everything. And while it was scary, it was daunting, it was very at sometimes overwhelming, but at the same time really exciting. Uh, I learned how to rollerblade, I learned how to ice skate, I went camping, I did all sorts of things at that point in my life that um you know that i guess campus days your it's your trying out time and so i tried out many things and and just loved 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 it it was fun when i was in university as i said it was out of the country my parents couldn't afford it at the time and so what they did was they said look okay i know you really want to go abroad but this is what we we'll agree and they said to me what we're going to do is i'm going to mm-hmm. help you with tuition fees but then for your other uh, expenses you need to work to be able to meet them so your rent food and other upkeep expenses you'll need to work for and i thought you know everybody's doing that in my yeah. days that's what everybody did that went to the states or any other country to do their studies and i thought it sounds easy enough and so they gave me money for six months worth six months of expenses and they said after yeah. six months once that run, money runs out you're going to have to just find money from somewhere to 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 meet your expenses and i said yeah that sounds fine except that I'd never managed money before. It seemed like I had a, 
a mountain of money that would never run out. And so instead of immediately finding work, I got caught up with the excitement of there is a McDonald's and there is this other place and had so much fun with my friends that I all I did was put on weight and eat out a lot. And then four months into it, I ran out of my money. And it was a mess because I couldn't call my parents to tell them I've run out of money. It was just such a mess uh, that ended up in a, in a bit of a situation because for two weeks, tried to go around to all my friends' yeah. houses uh, within campus because I was on student housing to eat there in the pretext that I was going to find out what homework was for the day. And after two yeah. weeks of going around all the different apartments that I could, I, I, I it started to get embarrassing. So... That day, I remember, I, one day, the following day after the two weeks were up, I remember waking up, didn't have breakfast, couldn't have lunch. It was now dinner time. I didn't have any food and I went to bed and I couldn't sleep because I was, I was so hungry. And so then I went mm-hmm. to my kitchen. Well, we shared. It was, I shared the house with six others. Went to the kitchen and opened my, my cupboard and there was nothing but a tin of coffee. And I poured the coffee, I took a sip and I, and I, uh wondered now what am I going to do and somehow you know my my eyes traveled and I looked at the bin and I saw a over toasted slice of bread and I was like oh my gosh dinner someone left me dinner and I put my hand in the bin (laughs) scraped it off and I ate it I finished that piece of bread and I went to bed but I promised myself I will never be here again in my entire life never ever ever at at what point did you consider becoming a financial analyst? I, I guess that's not the kind of job many people think of. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I When I think back to it, I would never have imagined myself in that position. I didn't decide to, do, to, to become a financial analyst. At that time, I was studying marketing and I was doing a double major in marketing and finance and really was just out of interest. Um, but it was later on when I started, because I, you know, started working when my first job was in marketing, and then I quit that after a year and a half, and I went into financial services. It was when I was in financial services, talking to clients, and realizing mm. that a lot of people just don't know how to manage their money, and I just felt that I want to be able to be the best that I can be in assisting my clients, and that's how I went into becoming a financial analyst. It was in an effort to be the best that I can be in my industry mm-hmm. in serving people. So it was through, you know, work, working and figuring out through the job that I'm doing what I want to end up doing. When you completed campus and came back to Kenya, what was yeah. your plan? I guess most guys leave campus not having a plan on what to do or how to handle life after campus. What did you do? So my plan was to come back. I knew that I was going to move back in with my parents uh, because I didn't have an income. And my plan was to look for a job. And I remember I I made a mental note and a decision that none of my parents is going to help me get a job. I needed to find something for myself. And I just, it was just that thing. I felt I want to look, I want to tarmac and look for work and find it. And, And I did. And it took me about six months or maybe four. Um, and so I just went around, talked to friends, you know, got networked through my friends and eventually got a job, which I was very proud of myself about. You know, I earned only 15000 to start off with, but I was proud yeah. that I worked hard to, you know, to get that job for myself. So that was my plan, really, to just get a job and be able to have an income that I can spend money on for, with my friends on the weekend. And uh, at least at that time, that was my plan. 
you said you earned 15,000 and I, I guess when people are starting, that's almost like the, the, the starting point. Yes. How would you advise someone to manage their finance if they are earning, let's say, 10,000 and they have to save, they have to eat, they have to take care of themselves? How would you advise someone to start? So 10,000 is very little. And um, yeah. so if you're starting off and you're earning 10,000, it's fine. It's enough for transportation. But as mm. you carry on, that position that you have is not the end. And that's the encouragement I would give somebody. But that 10,000 mm. that you're earning is not the end. So first of all, negotiate for higher because a minimum wage in Kenya, in, in the yeah. urban city of Nairobi, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's, is is a bit more than that. I think it's what fourteen or thirteen something. Thirteen seven fifty is the minimum. So negotiate for for more, so that you know at least you 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 are within the 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 requirement by government. But anyway, the point is that it's not it's not the end. It's the beginning. And so how can you then take advantage of this opportunity that has been given to you to be able to learn more, to be able to understand things, and to grow to then be able to put yourself in a position where you're able to demand more. I remember when I, I started working uh, and went to, and I had my interview with my boss and he said to me, we can only afford to pay you 15,000. I said, you know what? I will do it. It wasn't yeah. the figure that I had in mind, but I'm happy to start at 15 on condition that in three months time, we are going yeah. to be able to sit down again and review based on how I'm working. Because oh, if I'm working okay. well and I'm bringing in clients and I'm, impacting revenue then i should be able to earn more than than the 15000 yeah. and he said no problem and for sure after 3 months we had a conversation and my salary went up because i worked hard i did the best that i can i could at the time and was delivering yeah. uh, and i was in a marketing and sales role so because of that and the fact that my role had a direct contribution to revenue i was able to demand more based on my performance so that would be my encouragement to anybody who's earning a, a small salary. It's not, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. How can you take advantage of the opportunity that has been given to you to grow and to do the mm-hmm. best that you can so that, you know, they see you as valuable. And so that when you go back to the table to negotiate, they're willing to negotiate with you. You've talked of negotiating. I think that's a skill maybe we weren't taught in school and we don't know how to, to do that or most guys don't know how to do that. How how do they even begin to to negotiate? Yet they're still new. Negotiation is a life skill, and yeah, even little kids at four years negotiate with their parents, and and it shouldn't be seen as a science. It's just it's the question you always have to ask yourself is what is in it for them? Because whenever you're talking to somebody, it cannot just be about you. You know, if, I, if I've employed you and you're helping me with whatever the job is, you know, customer service, for example, and you come to me and sit at my desk and say, hi, um, I was just wondering if we can talk about my salary. You know, I've not been able to afford rent for the last couple of days. I've not been able to meet my basic needs and I need a review. I look at you and think, excuse me, yeah. when did it become about you? You're here to, yeah. I mean, that's the first reaction somebody has when you go to negotiate. You, When you go to negotiate, the first thing you always need to think through is what is in need for the person you're negotiating with so that then there's value for them and there needs to be a value exchange so that then if I'm making sure that I'm meeting your your needs and your goals 
as the person who I'm going to negotiate with, then it's easier for me to negotiate. So I remember having a conversation yeah. like that with a young person who came and said, yeah. yeah, I'm not able to afford this. I'm not able to do that. And I'm like, I, I don't, I, I really don't care. I'm sorry, but what I care about is my work being done and yeah. being able to pay as little as I can for the value that I'm getting. You know, that's the truth for any entrepreneur. They don't want to pay more than they need to for anything. But mm-hmm. if I can demonstrate to that entrepreneur that I am of value to them, and this is the value I'm bringing to you, and I can continue to bring this value, um, and in exchange, this is what I want, then there's no reason why somebody would say no, unless obviously they can't afford to. Where do you think we go wrong as young people when it comes to finances? Wow. Um, I think we have a sense of entitlement as young people. that comes from many places. It comes from culture. It comes from upbringing. Mm -hmm. Just the the expectations we have of life. There's a certain expectation that you have. I remember when I left university, I I had an expectation that surely I have come from university. I have a degree. I should be paid for my first salary. I should not be paid any less than 30,000 shillings. That's my starting salary. In my mind, that's what I wanted. Because so I was like, I mean, surely yeah. I cannot work less than 30,000. And, you know, I, I, that's what I felt. And we're talking, this is, you know, 20 years ago, right? So mm. 30,000, 20 years ago is, is not a little money. But I yeah. felt that that was what I deserved. Um, now, when you look at life that way, even the way that you spend your money, will be based on what yeah. you feel you're entitled to. I'm entitled to enjoy. I'm entitled to have fun. I'm entitled to, as opposed to looking at life from a perspective of what do I, what are my goals? What do mm-hmm. I want to achieve? And how can I put in place the right systems and structures in my life so that then I can achieve those things? We have a tendency. I personally had a tendency of seeing life as this thing that, you know, God has given me and somehow, somewhere, somebody a great uncle will think about me and leave me a great inheritance, which will sort out all my problems. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, because when I think about even just how I behaved with my money when I was younger, I really didn't think about the future. I I really didn't think about um, what goals do I have? I need to set aside money for those goals. I will have an apartment. I remember I had a cousin who we lived with, and she really was my sister because, um, you know, my, my mom and dad had um, taken guardianship over her. And she was so smart. She'd save up, and then after a few weeks, she'd buy a, a, a television. After a few weeks, she's bought this and she's bought the other. And when she moved out, she had stuff for her house. And I thought to myself mm-hmm. later, because initially when I saw her doing I was like, oh, okay, yeah, even me one day, one day. But then just to watch the way that she was so methodical about it, I realized that why was there was a problem with me? Why wasn't it at the forefront of my mind, the reality that mm. I'm going to move out one day and I need to set myself up in such a way that I'm saving towards that. And what are those goals? What do I want for my house? Do I want a carpet? Do I want a yeah. television? Do I want a radio? And how can I save towards those? So we don't think about our goals. We're just typically, okay, these are the things I want, but then we don't write them down and we don't take time to think how much they cost and what is it going to take for me to be able to achieve them. Uh, what advice maybe can you give to 
us when we are beginning this journey of financial management as young people? What should we do? Somebody has to recognize that the resources that I have are not mine. God owns everything. And all I am is a manager of those resources. And so then what then happens Mm -hmm. is that God is looking for a good manager. And I need to take, uh, to be, to be, I need to be aware of that very fact that God is looking for good managers. And so if there's a good manager, he will take my resources from this bad man, from me, who's a bad manager and give the person who has good management skills and give them the money. Money is a currency and it flows just like a river flows. It flows and it will flow to those who are managing their resources well. So we must be diligent in managing our money. So if we get any money, there's a certain way it needs to be managed. And there are certain principles that are there when it comes to managing money that we need to be careful about. So as a young person, that's the first thing I would say. You need to be diligent and faithful with what you have been given, whether it is much or whether it is little. And this is also with your time and with any resource that you have uh, with you. So once you've done that and, you know, you're keeping tabs with this is how much I've earned. The other thing is, I would say, keep tabs of how much you're spending. What are you? Okay. What are your expenses, and how much are you spending? So, if you can keep track of your expenses, it would be really helpful for you to know. Then, how much can I save? How much can I put aside and save, and eventually invest? Because as a young person, you don't have well, some of some some of the listeners could be twenty three and they have a child. So, I'm I, I'm probably shouldn't generalize, but majority of young people don't have a family at the age of twenty two and at the age mm-hmm. of twenty three. And so, if you can. Take time to just jot down, where am I spending my money? And you will be so shocked that you actually have a lot of money that goes through your hands. It's just that you don't, because you don't keep track of it, you don't know how much is going through your hands. And when you realize how much is going through your hands, then you'll be able to say, actually, I can save a G a month, or I can save two Gs, and I'll be able to then build towards something, uh, a bigger investment opportunity. The most valuable thing you have as a young person is time. You know, there's a story I always tell, which is a fake story about two individuals, but the principle is true, that these two are 19 and they're twins, a brother and a sister. And it's in my book. If Mike and McKenna have an opportunity to start saving money, 2,000 shillings every month. Mike at 19, on his 19th birthday, decides, yes, at 19, I'm going to start saving 2,000 shillings every single month. And we can assume they're earning 10% per annum which is yes. fairly easy to earn even now, they earn 10% per annum and let's assume no withdrawal. So they don't withdraw any money. Now, Mike consistently does that from the age of 19 and stops 20 years later because he's like, you know what? I'm 39 now. When I'm on his 39th birthday, it's the last time he invests and stops but leaves the money in there until the age of uh, 65. His sister, McKenna, however, is like, by the way, 19, I'm too young. Let me just enjoy my two Gs. And I'll start when I'm 40. So she doesn't do it and starts at the age of 40 on her 40th birthday, which is fine. But she doesn't stop investing because she's like, it's just two Gs. I can continue. So she does it until the age of 65. So she invests for a total of 25 years and doesn't withdraw. At the age of 65, both of them withdraw the money. Mike and McKenna both withdraw. McKenna ends up with 2,185,000 shillings. Mike yeah. ends up with 18 million 100,000. 
Now, a difference of almost 16 million shillings because of time. So as a young mm. person, imagine it, it's not even about the amount. A thousand, two thousand, three thousand may seem like so little. You walk into a Java and blow it without thinking. Or you go to wherever it is and, and spend on things that you like. And I'm not saying don't spend on things like you like. But if you can put aside a thousand, two thousand a month and save it, you will be amazed how that money will grow within five years, 10 years, 20 years, and your retirement will be sorted. So don't think that retirement will never come. I never thought I'd be 40. In fact, I think 40 is like, for I don't even, who is 40? Like that's yeah. so old. You know what I mean? When you're yeah. in your early 20s, you're just like, I'm, I mean, 40 is like light years away. It's not. They fly so, so, so fast. And so that's what I would say. I think, um, recognize that you have a valuable resource which is time age is not something that you can even conceptualize when you're young you're you know you look at 35 40 year olds and you're just like these guys are ancient you know yeah but yeah that's true <laughs> i don't feel a day older than 25 not okay. at all in fact what reminds me that i'm growing older is my children when i look at them and i'm like oh my goodness they're growing so fast, but they're not growing so fast. You know, we're yeah. all growing <laughs> and I'm growing yeah. older. And and just that mm. reality. I, I remember my mom telling me that even at 60, she doesn't feel any older than 30. I mean, obviously mm. you can't do the things that you used to. The energy levels are lower, but you still feel like you see life the way that you did when you were 30, obviously with a lot more wisdom. However, mm the thing that creeps up on you that you really don't think about is age. And so yeah. time is your greatest resource now. So begin by thinking about what do you want? What kind of life do you desire? What do you want for the next one year, one month, three months, three years? What are those yeah. things? And, you know, I always say that once you are clear about what your desires are, then you yeah. need to think about how do you get to make them actualized? So, so okay. you know, obviously at the beginning, your needs are, I need food, I need water. You know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, yeah. you have basic needs. And then you have psychological needs or the feeling yeah. of intimate relationships, wanting to be family and friends. Intimacy is a, a need and you want to be able mm. to relate with others and continue with your standard of living. And then obviously, lastly, self-actualization. So what are those needs for you right now? And what do they look like? And one, you can have two people of five people who are all 23 and these needs yeah. will be very different so you need to think through this as yourself what does it look like for you what are your basic yeah. needs is it rent money is it transport money is it airtime what are those needs for you and then now yeah. start saying how much do i need a month and note that down start taking care of that and then decide i need to have some money saved so that if i don't have an income for the next three months i have money available mm -hmm. to me me to tap into so how can i save these three months worth of my expenses so that then i can start to invest and then invest like it's going out of fashion just put money away because it will come in handy uh later and you have the flexibility to make mistakes now because you have time to recover from them and learn mm. um in the process so I think the one thing I'd also say that at 23, you need to be very careful about when I think back to me at 23 is using my friends or others around me, my peers, I, let me say, as my yardstick for success. 
Um, oh, I yeah, that myself a lot. Yeah, I compared myself mm-hmm. a lot with others. It doesn't. It's it it's it is of no benefit. It is of no benefit. And if you don't overcome this thing, it doesn't end. I'm telling you, it doesn't end. I mean, there are people in this town who have taken loans to drive discoveries and Land Rovers and Mercedes Benzes and BMWs that they cannot afford to have. And they go on loans to go on holidays, take loans to get married and have weddings. I mean, it's ridiculous. At the age of 30, 35. It doesn't make sense. And so yeah. you have to arrest this thing of using others as your yardstick. It doesn't matter, Valerie. What do you know? I have met yeah. you, but I'm not thinking about your money and what you own and what yeah. you've parked outside you. I, that doesn't even come into my radar. When I meet you, I want to know who are you? I mean, you want to know who is this person? What what are they passionate about? What do they enjoy doing? How can I get to know them more? It's not about what you own. You know, so if, if yeah. you can o- overcome that one thing, I think you will succeed greatly in, um, yeah, in, in, in managing Life your money. Yes, in everything, in the decisions that you make. And, you know, it just, it will free you so much not to think about what do others think about what I own, where I live, what I drive, how I dress. I mean, obviously, you need to be decent in the way that you look and presentable. But you don't have yeah. to wear a suit that costs 300,000 shillings to be respected. Absolutely not. I wish somebody said this to me at 23 or at 22. <laughs> um, yeah. I would be elsewhere. But, you know, it's all good. <laughs> you know, mentorship is a very interesting thing. People think that for me to mentor you or for somebody to mentor you, you need to sit across one another, look at it inside deeply in each other's eyes. But really, it's yeah. not. It's being able to learn from other people's experiences and being able mm. to hear their stories and learn from them. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. What I'd love you to do is to pick out what stood out for you in today's conversation and tag me at postgradspace on Instagram or pgradspace on Twitter. I am so grateful for you being a dedicated listener and I hope that you can share this message with your friends and your loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe as well and to rate and to review this podcast. Till next time, ciao!